Hello, everybody. Welcome into another season preview edition of the College Basketball Bonanza. My name is Nicholas Hodell. As always, I am joined by Dominic Stern. Dom, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, you know, we're every day we get a little bit closer to college basketball season. Uh, unfortunately for me, baseball season is coming to an end. That's a totally different sport. But, uh, you know, the more and more we're getting close to the more and more I'm getting, I'm getting excited. And we are all getting excited for Thanksgiving Eve and Thanksgiving weekend. And they will be unlike any other. Today's edition of the season preview series focuses in on the West Coast Conference as what many people would call Gonzaga's Conference. But a lot was going on outside of Gonzaga even though they ran away with it with a 15-1 conference record last year. BYU was right there in a 13-3. St. Mary's and Pacific were also right there at 11-5. A little bit away from Gonzaga, but still putting in some decent 21 seasons themselves. And San Francisco and Santa Clara also came in with 21 seasons. You know, they struggled a bit more in the West Coast Conference. Pulling in an eighth-place conference finish in the Kempom rankings, for the second consecutive year, a big mark for a conference that had not, had not pulled in consecutive top 10 conference finishes in the conference rank since the three consecutive top 10 finishes from the 2012-13 season to the 2014-15 season. So this season may be a bit different as teams started to take a step back and Gonzaga looked as dominant as ever. We'll get to Gonzaga in a little bit. Uh, for now, though, we'll go from bottom to top, and bottom to top means we start with Port with Portland with a coach that is very much on the hot seat. Yeah, Portland not really much going for them. Last year, they they got their first win in conference play, and then they lost every other game after that. Uh, end of the season on 15 game losing streak. Can I get a yikes? Uh, that, that's never fun. And their top three scores from last year are no longer on Portland, so. They struggled to score last year, and then you lose your top three scores. You only win one game in conference. They're not going to be good again this year. Yeah, there are certain areas of this team that can get a little better. Uh, part of that is their transition defense. Um, perhaps some more depth and athleticism coming in, uh, thanks in part to five JUCO newcomers, with the gel drones being the most capable of those JUCO newcomers. Uh, however, this is a team that, like you said, it's clearly at the bottom of the conference. Um, a win or two definitely is now the equation in conference play, but I would look for this team to uh, perhaps be a team we are talking about in the middle of the season with a coaching firing. I think Coach Porter is probably one of the hottest seats out of anyone in the entire country, and I would not be surprised if he was fired midseason and one of the assistants had to step in in the interim. Not an ideal situation whatsoever for Portland. Um, and I think they are clearly at the bottom of this conference. We'll see what those Juco Newcomers can do, but I doubt it's going to be anything uh, of significance for the pilots who seem to just be piling, piling themselves straight to the bottom of the conference. Going to San Diego, plenty of new transfers coming in. What could that bring to this team? Uh, it certainly brings promise. It brings a ton of question marks. How are those guys going to perform? They're also returning Joey Calcaterra. Uh, he averaged 11 points per game last year, so they are getting some returning value there. They struggled to score last year as well, similar to Portland. 
but I do see things pointing upwards for the Toreros. Someday I'm going to make it down to a Toreros game, uh, especially when Gonzaga plays down there. Never get around to it. I always talk about it with my friends, and then it just never happens because SDSU games are impossible to get into. Anyways, uh, USD, they'll certainly be better than their ranking in the conference last year, but they only went 2-14. and 14. Uh, I could see them jumping up to possibly, uh, you know, a middle-tier team in the West Coast Conference because some of these teams are losing everyone. And that's something that, you know, we've, we mentioned Portland, they're newcomers trying to bring in a ton, bunch of new pieces. San Diego does that by, by way of experience through the transfer portal. Those five different players they're adding in via the transfer portal. That'll bring in a bunch of experience alongside a couple of returning starters in the backcourt and Joey Calcaterra and Marion Humphrey, both redshirt guys, uh, redshirt junior and redshirt sophomore respectively. A couple of guys that can definitely bring in some experience knowing the system and then teaching that to the transfer via practices and other experiences. Uh, junior Finn Sullivan will also be someone that might be the bench point guard here for this team. Had a strong finish of 10.4 points a game in the last 14 games of last season. He'll be looking to bring that uh, and, and elevate that to the next level throughout the entirety of this season. A team that has that could definitely have a goal of being around that midpoint, like you said. I mean, a top half, fifth, sixth place, just almost missing out on that top half. This is a team that I think the bottom three will probably be a reality for this team. I think their aspirations are in the right direction and what this program needs to be aspiring for, especially in a conference where you have teams like Gonzaga, like BYU, like St. Mary's, but it'll just sort of dominate that top picture uh, for years to come. Uh, but I do think that for this team anyway, for this year anyway, I think bottom three is definitely the reality. Um, get some good thoughts out of this season and trend it to next year. I think will be a good idea for San Diego. Going into a Santa Clara, a front court base team, Herb Sundex team. What do you see for the Broncos? Yeah, the Broncos, they do have their top scorer from last year, Joseph Frankich returning. He is 12 points per game. And they were a very balanced team last year. Had several players averaging right around double digit points. No one really getting too much. Like I just mentioned, uh, Frankich, their top, their top scorer last year, only averaged 12 points per game. Those are the teams you'd like to see in college basketball because they can uh, they can take a step forward the next year when they return a lot of guys. And you're seeing out of Santa Clara, another one of those teams, they finished six and 10. I can see them being in the middle of the pack. They could possibly go over 500 in this conference this year. And Santa Clara, they are, again, that front court based team. They do have some of that size in there. My big concern is their, their guard play is going to be extremely thin. And that's not very ideal. Some experience does return, though, in FGCU grad transfer, Christian Carlisle. And also, uh, he, he will be a big part of what this team does uh, through his experience. Any sort of experience, really, for this team is going to be a big deal. And also, a 6'3", a 6'6", rather, sophomore, Jalen Williams. He could be someone that plays then that three spot, um, ranking in the top 10 in the West Coast Conference in steals. He'll be someone that'll be some that'll try to bring in some good play. But again, there's no depth there at guard. And that's going to be a big issue, especially when most teams nowadays, they do specialize in that guard play. 
Uh, this team cannot do that. They have to really uh, focus on their guys down low. I, I do show some concern that that'll get the best of them in multiple games. Uh, and I, I do see this team, again, they're going to be trying to get into that top half. But just like San Diego, I think bottom three is the reality. And maybe even more so than San Diego, given how terif- it's, it's terrifying how thin they are. And that's going to be a challenge that Sendak's going to have to really work around his roster over the course of the entire season. I, I will be interested to see how he plays that in the guard position. Lua Marymount, a first-year coach, and he's got one heck of a job in front of him here, Dom. Yeah, they they don't have much going for him. They do have Eli Scott returning. He's going to be a senior. He averaged 15 points per game last year. Outside of that, almost everyone else is gone. They didn't really perform too well last year either. Four and 12 in conference. So things aren't looking upwards for Loyola Marymount here. There are a few guys that may be able to try to trend up in the right direction. Um, and these are guys that um, had to sit out last season and we'll, and we'll see them back. Seven, three Richard senior, uh, Matthias Markinson, uh, six, two Richard junior, Joe Quintana, and also six, seven sophomore that could play to the three or maybe even a smaller four of uh, uh, Domain Douglas. Those are three guys that come back and are going to have to play a big part in this team. And also they bring back a, uh, all-conference, an all-freshman team forward from last year, that being Kelly, um, Leah Pepe. He'll be someone that is going to have to be smart and versatile, which he has both of those different qualities. This is a team that, like Santa Clara, needs depth at the guard position. Um, But unlike Santa Clara, I think this is a team that actually can try to push upwards, especially if those three guys I mentioned at the top come, come back and actually do really well. So I would not be surprised if Laura Marymount can get themselves in a position to, they, they can actually rise above that bottom three, which will mean a probably anywhere from six to nine wins similar to last season. Uh, and that will definitely be the mark, given that I think that Gonzaga will eventually run this conference and it will not be close. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if this team, you know, turned some heads a little bit and made their way up there. Top half, eh, not quite so sure on that, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Lions had a pretty solid season for sure. We go to Pacific now. Um, um, this is a mid-pack baseline team. What do you think they'll have outside of that? Uh, Jaleel Tripp, he left. He's got 16 points per game last year. Uh, they they really didn't have a high-scoring team. However, they do have a lot of depth. Last year, they had 12 players play 10-plus minutes per game. So they're really rotating guys and getting a lot of fresh bodies in. They don't really have a ton of great players, but they have a ton of players who are capable of playing in the West Coast Conference, and they are returning some players. So they will have some returning value. They also have transferred Jordan Bell from Loyola Marymount, who we just talked about. He averaged seven points per game last year, so that's something. Uh, They're not going to put points in bunches, the Pacific team is, but they, they do have some players who could possibly step up given that they are a bit of an experienced team. 
and Pacific. They have good transfer experience coming their way. Uh, they do have a couple of offensive anchors here, uh, P.L. Cock- uh, Crockwell and Justin Moore. Moore is a bit more complete than uh, Crockwell, and that is in that Crockwell is going to have to uh, get his scoring ability up. He's a, he's a good playmaker and a decent passer, but he needs to start scoring more, and I will be interested to see how he increases his offensive efficiency from that standpoint. And Moore, he can also sort of uh, uh, assist with that, ha, 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 and coming in with some assist and just assisting him a bit more and getting him in some good positions via the playbook. Seven foot one, James Hampshire is someone else that I will be interested in seeing as well. Massive size, obviously, and he used that size to an advantage and he is a good blocker. That is going to be pretty big as well. And they will have someone that they are going to be able to rotate in uh, throughout as well and it's actually someone that they picked up from within conference which is a a very interesting point because we don't see a ton of intra-conference transfers and that is something that we actually did see out of pacific and and it is one of those interesting things and it it is in the uh, in the front court here it's going and that that'll provide some interesting depth to this team and i do think that death is going to lead to some some good things jordan bell is, is the guy i'm looking for here from Loyola marymount who we just talked about he'll be able to to step in and provide that death and ultimately the depth that the pacific has is putting them over every other team in the bottom three and also over Loyola marymount just on that quality alone because that is a lot that the lot, lot of these bottom teams are struggling in they struggle in depth. They're going to have a tough time in depth. And when you see Pacific play these teams, they're going to be able to beat them because of that. They have more capable bodies that they can step in and, and provide minutes. And that's big in any team, in any conference, in any game. And the fact that Pacific can do that automatically puts them in the middle of the conference. Will they be able to push upwards? Maybe. I will. I think that anywhere of eight and eight, ten and six will be a good mark for them. They're eleven and five mark from last year. As impressive as that was, by the way, they were to put up a twenty-win season, which props to them for that. I don't think they'll be able to duplicate that. Uh, and really, when you look at a twenty-win season, anyway, you know, I, to me, twenty wins this season is going to be the new twenty-five wins. Uh, it's going to be such a hard mark to achieve about those non-conference games. Uh, and especially 11 and five mark in conference play last year. I don't think they'll duplicate that, but I do think they're not going to, they're, they, I do think they'll take a, uh, a modest drop. It won't be a, a huge drop at all. It'll be a modest, like a couple of wins that they'll go down by. I definitely think they're a team that can, you know, put themselves in that middle spot in the conference. We go to St. Mary's next, a team that is so used to, success year in and year out however they may struggle a bit this year yeah they certainly won't be the team that they were last year finishing 11 and 5 in conference 26 and 8 overall and they would have had an at-large bid i certainly don't see that in the picture for st mary's this year jordan ford their leading scorer who averaged 22 yes 22 points per game last year he's gone he graduated so there's no way to really replace that. We've said this over and over again. You just got to kind of have 
multiple guys chip in and produce more, which of course will happen because Jordan Ford was the majority of the offensive production from that team last year. Uh, their, their second best scorer too, Malik Fitz, who averaged 16 points per game and seven rebounds per game. He's also gone. So already you're, you're seeing a ton of production for the Gales already gone. Now, fortunately they do have a four-star recruit, Jade Mullins coming in. Uh, you know, there was only four, four-star recruits or higher coming into this conference. Of course, the other three were on Gonzaga. So you're already seeing that uh, St. Mary's will be bringing in one of the better players in this conference. Now, will he produce right away? Probably not, but St. Mary's, they're going to struggle. They're going to need their role players from last year to really step up. Uh, it's not going to be just one player. It's got to be three or four of them to step up to replace Mullins or to replace Ford and Fitz. Part of that, those role players, Alex Dukas, Logan Johnson, and Tommy Coos, those would be a couple guys right off the bat that are going to have to step up. Coos uh, and Johnson could be in a point guard by committee situation, though I do think Coos will play more minutes there than Johnson. Uh, and Alex Dukas will probably be in, end up at the three, though with his shooting ability, if you want a bigger two to go to, if you do play some of your bigger freshmen and try to play bigger, you could put him there as well with his shooting ability. This is a team that has been so consistent for so long. 13 consecutive years, they finished in the final Ken Palm top 67. Do you think that streak will end? Uh... I think there's a strong possibility that it does. I, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think they'll be right around 75-ish, considering the fact that this conference isn't great, and they'll find ways to pick up wins that they really shouldn't, uh, considering that they're not going to be a great team this year. But they certainly won't be an at-large bid team, like I just said. But I think that streak could end. I do too. And it it's not it's not because – this, this team doesn't have sort of the talent to push for a top three. It, it, that talent comes in younger forms, but it's just because they don't have the conference opportunities. They don't have the opportunities to, as, as many opportunities, I, I should state, as many opportunities to play teams like Wisconsin like they did last year, to play teams like Dayton like they did last year. They're going to be struggling um, for those opportunities. And that may lead to a weaker strength of schedule for St. Mary's, which is, it's part of it. It is part of it. And finishing in the middle of the conference outside the top three, that's not something West Saint, that the St. Mary's team is used to at all. And it, it's, uh, it may come as a, a culture shock a little bit, uh, but this team definitely has mid-tier ridden over it. And mid-tier in the West Coast Conference is not top 67 in the Ken Palm rankings. It just isn't. And I would expect this team to fall out of that mark. I would expect this team to even fall out of top 75 if they can't get those good non-conference opportunities. I would just expect it. Uh, I don't think they'll be top 67 preseason. If they are, it's going to be outside of top 50 in preseason in the Ken Palm rank. Uh, this is a possible down year. Their only upside is third place, and I don't think they'll get there. I think that they'll get to fourth or fifth. They could swap with Pepperdine, who we'll talk about next. But I, I think that this team's going to struggle. I, it's one of those things to where 
This I think every program has their down year. This is their down year. If if this hurt if it hurts them permanently, that is yet to be seen. But this is the down year. It just is. I don't think there's any way to go about that. To me, the only upside is third place. That's it. Magic Pepperdine, let's go there now. At normal times, I think it's a 21 team. However, maybe not quite so. That they're not, now they're not playing as many uh, non-conference games here. Yeah, I, I like this Pepperdine team. They're returning Colby Ross 20 points per game. He's going to be my conference player of the year pick, and I think he will be a pretty popular pick as well. Uh, and then they're bringing Kendall Munson, power forward. Uh, he's the program's second best recruit uh, of all time, or he's there in you know the history of their program. Not a great program historically, but hey, uh, to bring him in, that certainly uh, that points to uh, good things. And uh, the two uh, the two brothers, Cameron and Kessler Edwards. Cameron's gone. He averaged 13 points per game, but <coughs> excuse me, uh, but Kessler he returns. They're also returning Skylar Chavez, who had 10 points per game. So they're bringing a lot back. They're also getting in one of their best recruits ever. So I think signs point up for Pepperdine. Now, Pepperdine last year, they were a middle-tier team in this conference, went 8-8 eight eight in conference, 16-6. and six. Now, they do have one of the best home courts in the conference at Firestone Arena. Uh, you never know. If fans are allowed in the stands, they could certainly steal some home wins. Uh, I certainly think this is going to be one of the better teams in the conference this year, for sure. And let's not care some of the fans' conversation. This is California we're talking about, and I think you that should, is true. You're you right. should know. I, you should I should have known about. better. You're right. <laughs> yeah, you should know about that. Um, but you, know, you mentioned Kobe Ross, first team all conference last season, and also Kessler Edwards, uh, second team all conference last year. He will need to have a bigger offensive role. Uh, Jody Smith and Andre Bobo returned from injury. And I think this is a team that they're going to stretch it for 20 wins. And like I said earlier, 20, the 20 win mark is going to be the new 25 win mark this season because of teams not being able to play as many non-conference games. And I think that Pepperdine will probably be stretching it. They'll get close. They won't quite get there because of the fact we won't have those non-conference games in abundance that we normally do. But I think they will be in intense competition for third place. I think that competition between them and San Francisco, who we'll get to in a little bit, that's going to be very intense competition. In, in the end, it's going to be one of those things where perhaps they even tie up there. Um, and if they are going to push for third, um, let's just get out of the way right now. Defensive efficiency is the place to improve. Uh, outside the top 200 nationally last season, their defensive effective field goal percentage was pathetic, over 50% outside the top 300 nationally. Their defensive three-point percentage was pathetic, over 38%, almost dead last in the country. They'll need to improve on those numbers. Um, and they'll it's just something that they'll have to really work on in practices in the limited non-conference games that you, that you have. The good thing they had going for them last year, uh, perhaps one of the reasons why they finished uh, at 16 and 16, uh, their free throw percentage was fifth best in the country at 79.2%. They have that going for them, and I think that's something they will definitely need to keep intact. Uh, defensive efficiency, if they improve on that, watch out for Pepperdine. I definitely think this is a team that can push up to the top three of this conference and really make some headway and get in and make a big, big wave. Ha, ha, ha. Next, San Francisco, like we mentioned, 
this is a team that is going, I think, going to take the uh, short end of the stick as far as not being able to play as many non-conference games because this is a good team here. Right, yeah, no, they're good. They always play their non-conference games. Uh, they play good teams and play them down to the wire. We remember from watching uh, the ASU game. I think we watched that together in my, in my dorm room. Uh, USF, another one of those teams. Now, of course, they do play in California, but another really good home court advantage. And they're, they're backcourt heavy this year for sure. Now they are losing Midland. He is transferring, transferred to Louisville. But they do have some good players in their backcourt returning. Bouye, uh, 12 points per game from last year. Uh, I hope I didn't butcher that last name. Uh, they, they will certainly climb in the rankings because last year they finished in fifth. I could definitely see them third, possibly even second in this conference for sure. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Roll Dons. Strong backcourt, versatile frontcourt. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. that. That's sort of the abilities that make a team good in the West Coast Conference. And San Francisco has that. Um, what kind of non-conference games they are able to schedule is going to be big for this team. Strength of schedule, metric, we love to discuss it. It's a big one. And I do think that if they are not able to get strong non-conference games like they did against Arizona State last year, that's going to hurt this team's postseason chances a lot. Um, I, this is a, team, a conference that in, in most years – um, teeters on a one bid, normally getting two. Um, last year was even pushing for three. Uh, and I think that is a, a rare case in the West Coast Conference when BYU is really good and St. Mary's is very capable. San Francisco is going to be hurt by that. Uh, and that's not to say they can't get into a postseason because I expect this team to get into the NIT and get to the place where they would have been last season had the coronavirus pandemic not have shut the postseason down. Uh, It's going to be a case to where what kind of non-conference games are you going to get? I'll be very curious to see what happens with that. Uh, And third place is a good spot for this program. It's a spot that I definitely think the Dons are going to be very proud of, especially when we consider what BYU and Gonzaga have, which we'll get into later on. Would not surprise me if this team made the NIT third place in the conference and maybe even gave BYU a run for their money in a possible West Coast Conference semifinal to try and get into the West Coast Conference championship game. Third place, though, good spot for them. And even the top team in Tier 2B because BYU has a ton of talent coming in as by way of the transfer portal. Yep, and Matt Harms is the bigger, the biggest name there. Uh, they did lose Yoli Childs, but they do bring in a seven foot three center in Matt Harms, so very fitting for them. Uh, they're still gonna have that big man uh, down in the front court. They did lose their top three scorers from last year, so they're gonna find they're gonna have to find those players. And like you already mentioned, the the transfers to uh, to step in and produce for them there. I certainly think this team can be a top three team in the conference. I definitely don't think they'll be as good as they were last year, Uh, especially down the stretch. This team was phenomenal. We're the only team to beat Gonzaga in this conference last year. And what was truly an awesome game. Students were camping out for that game for like three or four days and something that you won't be able to see this year, which is a shame. Uh, But BYU 
Coach Pope looks like the real deal there. Uh, it's hard to believe they have a six foot eleven coach. Uh, they're 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 following the lines of Georgetown and uh, and Coach Coach Ewing, but I think BYU is capable of possibly being an at large team. We obviously know Gonzaga is the class of this conference, but BYU is right there, right behind them. And BYU, Matt Harms is going to be absolutely huge. He gives this team size um, in which it, it's a point to where I think that this, that he can be a little more consistent, uh, but I think he brings in a huge size and their coach when talking to the Blue Ribbon preseason yearbook was already mentioning the chemistry he brought to the locker room. That's an also a big plus when you have a transfer that can bring that sort of energy into the locker room. Uh, that, that's, that's huge. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, and also, you would have guys in that front court. Uh, Richard Harward and Wyatt Lowell are going to be also in the front court with plenty of size. This is a team that will not be lacking in that department because those two guys bring in a ton of just big time stuff. And of course, that is someone that is going to have to really get in there as well. It'll be an interesting case for them. I think they are the possible second team. If this conference does get two in the tournament, I think that BYU is going to be that second team because of their front court. It is probably the one of the best in the conference. And I, I think that is going to be a big conversation between them and Gonzaga. And you could also mention oh, what San Francisco has and even what Pepperdine has in that front court. That front court is going to be a big, big front court. And I, I, it's just one of those things to where I think they are the clear second place team. It's clear cut to me. Uh, you could almost draw the line between BYU and San Francisco and say BYU is in 2A and in the tier system. And I think that's because Gonzaga is in a tier of their own. And I think that BYU, if this conference gets two, we'll mention that because I have an opinion on that. BYU is that second team. Gonzaga, we say them for last because not only is this team the best in the conference, many people are saying this is the best in the nation preseason. I, I disagree with that. I would definitely take Villanova, Baylor, and possibly even a couple of other younger teams over Gonzaga. This team will definitely be good, though. Uh, they had seven players, averaged nine points per game last year. They're returning three of them, Joel Ayayi, Corey Kispert, and Drew Timmy. Uh, so they're, they're already bringing back a ton of good talent, and those guys are going to produce even more with some of those players leaving. So... They also are bringing Andrew Nemhard from Florida. He's a star guard from the SEC. So that's going to be key for them. And they do have a five-star recruit coming in and two four-stars coming in for them as well. So Coach Few is going to have a ton of talent for this team. Certainly a top five team uh, at the beginning of the season. I Like I said, I'll definitely take Villanova and Baylor over them. But that's, that's not the concern. I think Gonzaga certainly capable of running the table in the West Coast Conference this year. Uh, they were very close last year, just ran into a very hot BYU team. Uh, but Gonzaga, they're going to be national contenders like they always are. I don't think there's any excuse for this team to not run the table in this conference. I think they are well and above, above every team. And this team has easily three contenders for conference player of the year. Joe Ajay, Corey Kispert, probably a solid third, and, and, and Drew Timmy. 
I think that all of those guys could win the player of the year honors in this conference. All those guys are that good. And when you have every single one of those guys compared to other teams who just have the one for the most part, I think it's pretty obvious here and what I'm going to say, and that is Gonzaga is tier one on their own. And I don't think anyone comes close to be quite, to be quite frank. I, the Gonzaga is one of the best in the nation, um, easily top five. And we could say Philanova, Baylor uh, are a little bit better, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the Blue Ribbon Preseason in the yearbook did name the Zags number one in the country. And that's obviously a big honor to take with you into the season. I, I mean, if you look at those three guys, Timmy, Kispert, Ajay, any one of those guys win the conference player of the year, when all three of those guys are on the same team, it makes things that much more difficult for every other team in this conference. And like I said, if these guys don't go unbeaten, something has gone astray. Um, not necessarily in the non-conference, because I expect that Zags will pick up some good non-conference games. Um, and I necessarily don't expect it out of every other team in this conference other than Gonzaga. And it's one of those things that they're too, they're too good. They really are too good. I expect the Zags to go 16-0, wipe the table in the conference tournament, and get a number one seed. They're that good. Uh, and yeah, you know, go ahead. I wouldn't be surprised if they're the number one overall seed going into the tournament just because uh, limited non-conference play uh, decreases their chances of finding ways to lose in the non-conference. And then – with their easy conference schedule, they'll they'll be sixteen and zero, like you said. They'll probably be the number one overall seed. Like I said, I don't think they're the best team in the country. They're certainly in that conversation. But uh, Gonzaga, you're gonna want to watch them every given night that they play because they put on they put on quite the show. For that to happen, I think they have to run the table. Also, a non conference. I think that the strength of schedule war will hurt them because they don't have as many opportunities to get those big non-conference games. They will get a few of them, but they don't have as many opportunities as in years past to go out and seek them. And that, that'll hurt them for the number one overall seed conversation. They'll get a number one seed, I think. It may not be first overall, though. Uh, but regardless of whether they're first overall or fourth overall, they're going to get their number one seed. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind about that. So to wrap things up, we've uh, asked a couple of questions throughout the course of our season preview series at every conference we've covered so far. Uh, the first one, as always, Dom, how many, uh, how many bids, if I could talk, do you think this conference will get into the NCAA tournament? Yeah, it's tough because we all think Gonzaga is going to be right there. They're, they're going to be in it. It's tough. Do you think BYU and USF can maybe sneak in as an at-large or maybe – you know, if they're the play them in the conference championship, they knock them off. We've seen St. Mary's do that in the past before. It's not going to be St. Mary's this year, but we've seen other teams do that before. I'm going to side with two. I think BYU makes it in as like a 10 or 11 seed. Uh, they're going to have to play on those on those Thursday, Saturday schedules because they don't play on Sundays. But uh, I think BYU maybe sneaks in. If there's any conference that we've talked about, so far, that dropped to a one-bid league because of teams not having as many opportunities to play really good non-college games to 
improve your strength of schedule, the West Coast Conference is that conference. Uh, now, in two of the last four tournaments, they have only gotten the one bid in Gonzaga. Uh, I think that this conference, if BYU and San Francisco cannot get good non-conference games and, and that'll drop their strength of schedule, this, bid, this conference is one bid. I, I think Gonzaga is just too good. BYU will be on the cusp. Um, whether they get there or not will probably depend on their strength of schedule and the quality of wins that they have. And that may require beating Gonzaga at least one time. It may require it. Uh, and I don't see that happening in the, in the near future. Uh, and let's get this straight. If BYU or San Francisco picks up bad losses in this conference season, their chances are not large are done. They're, they're just flat out done. And, and that also uh, brings in the point of their non-conference the schedule, what they do in the non-conference and the limited non-conference and what that brings in. I'm going with one bid. I'm going with Chuck Gonzaga. I don't think BYU or San Francisco will get the non-conference that they need uh, to be able to make that statement case. And again, if BYU or San Francisco slip up in the conference season to some of the weaker teams, they're done. They'll need to win the conference tournament and that goes through Gonzaga. And that's going to be a very tough task for any team in this conference. Forget your two sort of best uh, teams outside of Gonzaga. I think one bit NCAA, two bit NIT will probably be the way this conference goes. Finally, I know you mentioned earlier uh, your player of the year pick. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Colby Ross from Pepperdine. We mentioned this uh, on our last show. Pepperdine's going to have to win a couple of games that they shouldn't because of Colby Ross's performance in order for him to do this. I wouldn't be shocked if he leads the conference in points per game once again. Or I guess he technically didn't because Yoli Childs did. But Colby Ross is going to lead it this year. And he'll, he'll win the title if they can go over 500, in my opinion. I think that Gonzaga has uh, the one-two punch and Joel Ajay and Corey Kispert. Drew Timmy, he'll play at the battle of Matt Harms, their best front court player in this conference. But I think it's going to come from either Gonzaga or BYU's Matt Harms. I think Kobe Ross will definitely be in the all for, in the all conference first team, but I don't think he'll be in the player of the year discussion. And that's mainly because of Gonzaga. You know, they, they get a lot more attention. The media is going to focus on them more because they are the one bid that this conference will get uh, outside of any bid stealers. I mean, if they if they, there are bid stealers in this conference, and that's you know, congrats on the conference getting multiple bids. But I think that it's going to be you know going to your experienced players, uh, either Corey Kispert or Joe Ajay. I think those are the couple of guys I'll be looking for for Gonzaga to potentially win your player of the year honors. And I don't think Matt Harms is very uh, behind him either. If he could put in a an incredible season, I don't think Harms is very much behind. I think he'll have a lot to provide. But I'm going to go with Joe Ajay. Uh, I just, it's just something about him that it'll give him sort of the edge over Kispert. I would not be surprised if those two guys finish 1-2. So that'll take care of our West Coast Conference preview. Of course, thank you for listening. If you want to check in on any of our other previews and in the Power Conferences, of course, you know what to do. Go through your playlist and whatever podcast platform you prefer and just click on episode, grab your popcorn, and start listening. For Dominic Stern, I'm Nicholas Hodell, 
Have a good day, night, whenever you're listening to us from wherever you are in the world.